This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in the big O, Jerry Ostrowski, joining us here on the Blitz 1170 on this Thursday afternoon. What's up, big O? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm really good. How about yourself? I apologize for being a few minutes late. Had to finish up a few things at the uh, at the office, so to speak. No worries, my dude. No worries at all. Uh, you join us on a day which is the NBA trading deadline, and I saw this posted earlier, and yeah, it's hilarious because you see all these trades, Sherry, that are like, all right, this could be a first-rounder in 2029. We'll add 27, 28. Can you imagine if the NFL – because you can only be permitted to be traded – uh, I think trade picks like three years out. Okay, so um, can you imagine a, a world in which the NFL was trading first-round draft picks as late as 2029 and 2030 in some of these scenarios? That's just wild to me that we're still doing that. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. No, I, I don't agree with that. I, and then to be honest with you, it's it's why I really am not a – I mean, I'm I'm not an NBA guy. I just don't – I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. You know, trades and draft picks and stuff just don't mean anything. I mean, that thing, that 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 first round pick could become sixteen different scenarios between now and when it's picked, and it's just it's kind of it's kind of silly. But you know, that's what they do. That's 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 how they handle things, and you know, so be it. All right, let's move to the uh, to the Super Bowl and some football related issues. Um, I know this is picking up a little bit more steam here towards um, the end of the week, but where do we begin with with Howie Roseman? And where he's at now, what this rebuild has done in a five-year span from lifting their first Super Bowl trophy to being back here, how he rebuilt a roster. And it's, it's a fascinating story because at one point in time, he was he was trying to be pushed out of the building, and here he is now on on the verge of maybe doing uh, something that is at a time frame in which no one ever expected him to do, which is get the Eagles back to winning a Super Bowl championship. Has there been a wrong move from from Howie in the last calendar year? It doesn't really seem like that there has been. I think it shows just how unscientific and how un. Um, unpredictable drafting players is because there was not another team in the league that had Jalen Hurts going that high in the draft. And for whatever it's been, if it's been Nick, you know, I'm sure a large part of it's Nick Sirianni reading more about Jalen and and what he's got going on. um, I respect his maturity and the way he handles things. Um, you know, it just goes to show you, A, how un- unpredictable it is, and B, how that hitting on one player just changes the entire landscape of a franchise when that player is the quarterback. And, um, you know, this is a good Eagles football team, but come on now. You, if, 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 uh, if Garner Minshew is the starting quarterback, they're not in the Super no, Bowl right now. No, they're not. Nope. Um, and and for whatever reason, you know, the mesh between it, – it's funny. I mean, you look at it in Buffalo. When uh, when Diebold was, was the OC in, in Buffalo, it was obvious that him and Josh Allen had a tremendous rapport 
they, I don't want to say finished each other's sentences, but really understood what each other was trying to do. And he leaves and goes to become the head coach of the Giants, and you've got, you've got Dorsey, who takes over, the old quarterback coach. And even though he was in the room with him every day, it's quite obvious that, that him and Ken Dorsey don't have the communication or eye-to-eye or whatever you want to say that, that him and Diebold did. And, you know, if you look at Siriano, Siriani and you look at the offensive coaches around, you know, Jalen Hurts, this system fits him to a T. It was built for him. And I think, I think what the Eagles have done, Pop, and this is what the Eagles have done, I think Andy Reid has done this, what they have done is they've embraced the fact that, guess what, we're not going to get the pro-style quarterback anymore. It's not going to happen. We're not getting the guy that's 6'4", that sits in the pocket, that passes the ball. We're not getting those dudes. We're getting RPO, run-pass quarterbacks. And we're going to have to go ahead and evolve because as, as our friend – um, retired general of the air guard, Stephen Melton, once said, and no, it wasn't the comment, have some more fried dough, you know what. <laughs> it, 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 he said in his retirement speech, he said, you know, these, these leaders in the military, they constantly complain about millennials and Gen X and all this stuff. He's like, you know what? He goes, these guys are talented. You've got to figure out how they fit today's military. And he made the comment and the quote that I always go to, which is, if you don't like change, you're really not going to like irrelevance. Yes. And they have decided we are going to change. And both teams have done the same. These teams are built so similarly. The difference being the Eagles right now are playing better defense, I think. But what is the one thing they have done that a lot of teams refuse to do? They have gone out and built world-class offensive lines. Uh-huh. And right now, if you look at Buffalo and you say, what are they lacking? Everybody's like, we need a number two receiver. We no. Need they need continuity in linemen. They need a better front. They need a better offensive line. They need better production up front. And that's what both of these teams have done. They're not afraid to move superstars when they need to. They don't get locked up on their own and, and sign guys. You know, they don't have that Jerry Jones effect where I drafted the guy, so I fell in love with him. I don't give him a stupid contract and I should have let them walk. But they've got these guys. They build them around tremendous offensive lines. They embrace what these dudes do in college, and now you've got two just lights-out, you know, fast-break superstar offenses led by two, for all intents and purposes, MVP caliber quarterbacks. There are a couple of things I want to hit on in what you just said. One, uh, back to the uh, adapting Adapt or die, right? We talk about it a lot in in, in various elements. And too many times leadership falls into that category of, well, we've always done it this way, so we're going to force them to change to this instead of you looking in the mirror and deciding, you know what, maybe I need to adapt with the times. And you're right. I think both organizations have done a very good job of doing that. Two, you know me. We've talked about this before. You build inside out. I don't care what anyone says. You build inside out, and more than likely, what, 85 90% of the time, you're going to be successful when you build it inside out. And to your third point, this is what I love about Roseman and what he has done, is that very often now do you have front offices who just openly admit 
we made a mistake. This isn't working. And the Carson Wentz example is the perfect one after they gave him a ton of money. You swallow the pill and you go spend the money to get better and get rid of that guy when you know it's not working instead of just extending it out and being average at best. They had the guts to go and make that move and decide to get better in that moment, and that is something that more franchises need to be willing to do. Right, exactly. And then, you they, you know, Kansas City has their own example of that, Pop. I mean, and while he wasn't the – and I don't want to say Carson Wentz was a bust. I mean, Carson Wentz was playing MVP caliber quarterback. Yeah, he was playing MVP level until he, got his, he hurt his knee and then never really recovered from that injury. But – you know, the, the 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 Chiefs decided to let Tyreek Hill walk. And everybody was just arms were up in the air and they couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you see what they're doing with, with Schuster and some of these other guys that have that have come from other teams and they get, you know, Checo Pacheco running the ball. Um, I mean it's they just they reload. They they, they move they move players when they feel they need to move them and they reload and um you're right. Um, as much as people wanted to, you know, I'll just get all over Roseman, and I was one of them, um, he's done a really good job. He has. He has. And the other thing, too, that I liked about it is is that um, you realize what you got, right, and what the how the Eagles had already been built, and they're not afraid. You, you know, they don't remain stagnant at that point. Then they go out and they're like, all right, so what do we need now because we've built it the other way? We need a guy like A.J. Brown, not afraid to go out and make a move for someone like that to put them over the top. And I, I, I just I marvel at the teams that get it, right? You see it now and you're like, all right, finally someone gets it about what what it takes to win and 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 do it in such a quick fashion, dude. I mean, you could probably write a book about this. Right, but here's what I want to know is why why are we still complaining about running about running quarterbacks? I have no idea. Why are we still why are we still so hesitant? Oh, he can't run in the NFL. He don't want to run in the NFL. Guys, guess what? The rules have changed, and, and I don't I don't totally agree with what with what Dilfer said the other day, with what Trent said, and how he poo pooed all over Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yes. To me. Yeah. But what I but what I will say is this: he is right to an extent. You can't reroute receivers. You can't put your hands on anybody, and you cannot touch the quarterback in any malicious manner. Why would you not go out and get a running quarterback and, and have an RPO-style offense and all those things? It plays into the rules. And everything is Sirianni and, and what Andy Reid are doing plays into the rules of the league nowadays. It just makes too much sense. It's the, uh, it's the omnipresent hard-headedness that still exists at every level of coaching, right? Just when you think, it's, and, and one, one level's not guilty uh, more than the other, it's, it still exists everywhere, even at the highest level. It's, it's maddening sometimes. Well, the pro- right, but the thing is, Pop, a lot of guys, and what's funny is, is that Sirianni's done it. Now, granted, where did Sirianni, you know, Sirianni um, has been with a lot of different dudes. It's like... These guys are taking the time to study it. They've learned it. They've they've gone to college campuses 
they've gone to the college RPO gurus, you know, and they've learned they've learned how to run the stuff. A lot of these guys in the league are hardheads and don't want to learn how to do it. And um, you know, it's uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. I really hope I really hope this game's as good as I think it's going to be. Um, you know, the only thing that I'm nerved up about is you got two quarterbacks that even though they've had an extra week to uh, rest up, they still have some injuries that at any time can can re-aggravate and pop back up and become an issue. Um, second time around, second time around, re-injury is a lot worse than the first. So I'm just hoping like something crazy doesn't happen, and you know Mahomes gets caught from behind or gator rolled early and he and he hurts his ankle or you know hurts takes a shot on the shoulder and uh, you know hopefully it's a clean game on their part and they can just go out and play because it's 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 shaping up to be a, a really good one so the ability for the eagles to get pressure on the quarterback this year which is another big story from them because last year i think they finished with 31 sacks this year they're in what like 77 of the 77 sacks well, they're they like have. Yeah, they're like 20 something ahead of the next team. That's right. And they're doing it with. They don't really blitz a ton either when they get their pressure. They're doing it with their base up front and getting after it. I, it so it's like all, all their sacks but two. It's really impressive. Can they, can they still get that done this week? Against against Mahomes and knowing that you have that luxury, how beneficial is that to them on the back end when you can get that type of pressure with just your base guys up front? I definitely think so. I think it's a team that can. I I, I think they can. Nothing Kansas City does is going to change them rushing the passer. Um, you know, one of the things that you do wonder about is are they going to be able to handle Kelsey and and some of those things. I think you'll see. I think you'll see Checo, uh, Pacheco early. I think he'll be involved a lot, try to take some of that heat off, try to get the ball out of there, you know. But considering the fact that, that Mahomes has had that, he does have that high ankle sprain, even with the extra time off, don't know how just how effective they want him to be, you know, running the ball. Um, I do think they can get there, Pop. I mean, they got tremendous push up the middle. Fletcher Cox is ageless. Um and, you know, the rest of the guys are just – they're doing an incredible job. I mean, the same thing with, you know, Hasim Redick. I mean, you pull him out, he's a veteran. He's out there playing at a high level. Hopefully Kansas City's smart enough not to try to block him with a inside <laughs> receiver or a tight end. Sorry Damn it. to bring that up. Why well, you got to go but, there? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I just I, – <laughs> you know. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it, – that's where my advantage lies, I believe. My, my advantage lies in favor of the Eagles because of that defense, especially that defensive front. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, somebody asked me yesterday, oh, it, was my, it was one of our bosses, said, which way are you leaning? I said, well, if you were to just go down the list, I mean, the Eagles to me have a better roster in totality and better players in, in, in several different spots. But then Kansas City still has Mahomes and Kelsey. 
So that kind of almost in a way like evens it out a little bit. But I mean, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to the window and I'm probably betting the over on Kelsey. I'm probably betting the over on Goddard and uh, Jalen Hurts' ability to throw between the numbers and Kansas City hasn't been great there. Uh, but I still think, Jerry, that this is shaping up. And I and everyone said it about the Frisco-Philly game, too, about how good it could be potentially. Maybe this makes up for the injury that happened because I think these two teams are just right in line with each other. I do. I agree. I think the one guy that can't get hurt for Philly, there's one player that can't get hurt for Philly that that has had the injury problems um, over his career, and if he can hold it together for one more game, keeps them whole without affecting other positions, and that's Lane Johnson. I think if Lane Johnson goes down, there could be some issues because the way that the Eagles handle things, and, and also – the, the left guard as well, the Dickinson kid from Alabama, he needs to he needs to hopefully hopefully he comes back healthy. He was dinged up, I believe, in that NFC championship game also. But um they can't afford Lane to go down because if Lane goes down then you gotta move other guys and now you're affecting two to three positions. And um you know, if you've seen the Eagles play, when Lane's not playing, it it they can have some issues because they're not incredibly deep at tackle. I think Andre Dillard's the next one off the bench, and um, that's not necessarily the greatest of options. Um, but he does have some starting uh, experience and some game time and give you stuff there. So Lane stays healthy. Uh, Jalen stays healthy. I think the Eagles got a really good shot. Have you seen the rugby tape from Jordan Melata? Have you seen yes, the you- – the- That's – otherworldly bro like i you you ever you probably saw people like this in the league and you're still like you're playing in the elite in the league in general so you're elite anyway but then there's the elite of the elite and you just see some things that shouldn't happen for a gentleman that's that size and that fits into that category yeah Yeah, when you it's it's a it's a pretty surreal feeling when you know you're you're playing and you see dudes playing that are like straight i mean that's like it's nature. There's nothing that explains it. No, there's I mean, not. He's one of those guys. I mean, he's absolutely only one of those in the world type dudes and uh, massive, massive individual. Six eight three fifty, and this rugby tape is awesome to watch uh, for sure. <laughs> My, my goodness. Uh, Hey, by the way, thanks for sending me the link on um, Dale Jr.'s podcast. I didn't finish listening to Sterling, uh, but I will do that tonight. So thank you for passing that along. I I thoroughly enjoy a lot of the conversations that Dale Jr. has on his podcast, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, it is. And I didn't see, like, right off the bat, I had no idea that Sterling Marlin was fighting Parkinson's disease. I had no idea. And, um, you know, they, they came out right away. And uh, and uh, Davis and, uh, you know, Dale Jr. came out and, you know, told everybody that. Um, his story is is wild. I, I, I think what's really cool is, and, and I don't know, Pop, how far you've gotten into it, but when you listen to how guys started racing, and, you know, how they were racing and just how grassroots NASCAR really was when they mm-hmm. say that, you know, oh, well, I saved my money and went down and bought a car, used car for 4000 bucks, And 
my my daddy drove that car for 10 years you know it's like right and never had to change the front clip on it right like had the same front clip but what's crazy about that jerry is is we all we've heard the stories about the the roots of nascar right which was the bootleg and stuff but what he's talking about I mean, was in the mid to late 70s, for crying out loud. That's not that long ago, uh, like how grassroots no, that really no. was. But Sterling bought his first car after farming an, an acre of a tobacco farm, and, or two acres, yeah. and took the money to buy a car, and that's what got him into racing. That's crazy. 18, 18 years old, his daddy gave him two acres of a 600-acre farm and said, this is yours to start. And he grew tobacco on two acres of a 600-acre farm and saved his money and bought a car. Yes. <laughs> and then that turned into... He went, from that, he went from that to being the face of Coors Light for over a decade. Yeah. Wild, Think man. Think about it. Wild, wild. And, and also to the point, kind of being in... Um, just a uh, not even like an, an incorporated team for a while, even with his dad uh, to to run as well as they did against some of the all time greats at that time, including Richard Petty and running second at Daytona and probably should have have, have have won a couple of those races. I mean, that's that's as wild as it gets sometimes, man. Well, my my favorite part of the whole thing was when he asked him, how did you get into racing? He says. Well, my brother wanted me to come work on his car. He was going to run down at so-and-so. So I drove the car down there, and my brother never showed up. So I said, hell, I'll just go ahead and drive it. <laughs> that's how he got into racing. Yeah. And they're looking at him like, oh, yeah, whatever. And it's like, no, that's really how it happened. It's that simple. Yeah, he finished third. <laughs> did, you have, did, you, did, you happen to catch, did you happen to catch him telling – Dale about the car that was behind the gas station. I did. That's it a. Was, it used to be his dad. That's about where I I uh, I had to stop it. But yes, it was a car from okay. from what like seventy four or five. Uh, but, but did you catch the tongue in cheek? Did you catch the tongue in cheek comment that the roll bar was? Yeah, when exploded? the when the roll bar exploded open, that's where they kept the nitrous at. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, it seems safe. Oh, dude, I, I love that stuff. I appreciate you for sending that to me because uh, in this world nah, with so many podcasts, to, man, ahead, yeah. it's hard. You need to go ahead and listen to it. It's once the race has started, after this, after this week or next week when the, when the 500 starts, they, they, do, they do a three-part show every week. They talk about the week that happened, they have a guest on, and then they do Ask Dale. And it's the best. It's one of the best podcasts on uh, in podcasting. I listen to it just about every week. Um, really, really good stuff from him. Dale's, Dale Dale Jr. is basically a historian. Um, you know, I mean, he knows so much about it, seen so much. But anyway, going back to football, I got the Eagles. Okay. Uh, I got the Birds winning by ten. I think it's going to be a really good game, my man. Uh, And one last thing before you go, because I have a feeling you feel the same way about what I'm getting ready to talk about that I do. I was laughing earlier because I was on Twitter, as one tends to do, and I saw a a tweet that reminded everyone, hey, Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime press conference is coming up, but never forget that Prince went to his halftime performance press conference and said, all right, contrary to popular belief, I'll take some questions. 
And when the first question was asked, Prince turned around and looked at a curtain that dropped, and all of a sudden his band just started playing and played for 15 minutes in front of the media for just an impromptu, <laughs> an impromptu concert. And it sent me down the rabbit hole, and I'm sorry, nothing will ever top. Halftime of the Super Bowl in 2007 in Miami, in the rain, Prince yep. playing a guitar shaped as his cymbal with purple LED lights and bringing the you-know-what house down with that as an ender. Nothing will ever top that, and it's still awesome to this day, and I went back and watched it again just as a casual reminder. And what was the most impressive part of that? He was wearing... He did it in a He was wearing high-platform shoes on a stage that looked incredibly slick, as he was just out there shredding. He was wearing stiletto boots. Yes. He was wearing stiletto platform boots on a rain, wet, downpour stage playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Don't let me forget. I'll text you because uh, that, was, that was the last game that I watched with Goose. I'll text you what my dad said when he was walking in those boots and playing the guitar here in just a moment because it still rings out today as, as, as one of those. Yeah, you know what, Dad? You're right. You're, you're, you're right. Uh, oh, oh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, man. Great to hear from you. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. All right. See ya. That's the, uh, that's the big O. Jerry Ostrowski joining us here on the Blitz 1170. All right. Take a time out. We'll come back. Colby will join us next. We'll kick off the Blitz mix here on the Blitz. 11. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.